we've come actually to our last bit of the journey that we've had in Colossians. Um, and I, in conversations that I've had with several people, it's been interesting how we have engaged with it, taking the passage of Scripture slowly. And it's been quite an encouraging thing for me as well, not to, not to rush it, but also to have the, the feedback. But we, we, we're talking about a letter. We, 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 we're learning together from a letter that has been written 2,000 years ago from prison to a community of believers who have endorsed the good news of Jesus. And now the apostle, who's been called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to this um, Colossians, um, is, is writing his heart out. Um, one thing that we, we do in this country that we, we don't do as much in Albania is we write letters. But I, I think even writing letters is, is uh, probably coming out of, of fashion. When was the last time you wrote a letter? Nicola. Great. So thank you, letters. Has anybody written a letter this week? Not talking about emails, text messages, Facebook comments. Um, John. Great. Andy? Business letters. Who's written a personal letter in the last month? Wendy, what did you write on that letter? So this was not a card, this was a letter. Great. Anybody else would like to share their experience of a personal letter writing? Sorry, Agnes, Tashig. Great. It's, I think it's very similar. Sorry, Jane. condolence letter yeah so going back to thank you going back to Agnes um, kind of idea it's it's basically stating things that you're keeping the the communication going and you're keeping that 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 actually that link going and I think for Paul He's taking this initiative. I mean, from one side, you think you can't blame the guy because he's bored stiff. He's in prison. You know, it's nothing to do. But I, I would say that that's not true. I think he knows why he is in prison. And he feels that he, because he's in prison, he's constrained to be there alongside this group of believers. And the only way of doing that is by writing them letters. 
And I think this is what we see in Colossians. It's, it's a letter that is written from a heart of somebody who is really seeing that actually what has come to his life is being fulfilled. Although he's in prison, he still is seeing that actually whatever Jesus revealed to him is true. And he not only wants to endorse that for himself, but actually he wants to impart that to this group of people. That's why we've got three quarters of the New Testament. We've got it from, from Paul, actually, because it's that attitude that he's seeing the fulfillment of what God has asked him to do, how he has implemented that. And now it's domino effect to the point that even in the 21st century, in a middle-class neighborhood in Bristol, the gospel to the Gentiles is making sense. It's still being good news. So we started the series with some questions. And uh, last week I didn't have any, any slides. Um, and this week I, I wanted to share with you or to remind you of the questions that we kind of um, talked about. So, are we ready to grow? Because again, we take this idea of growing in maturity from Paul's heart here in writing to the Colossians. Are you ready to grow in 2020? What are you thankful? Because again, he writes to them things that he's thankful for. What are you praying? He, 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 he writes his prayers, the things that he is praying for these guys. He writes it down. And it says, this is what I'm praying for you. And I'm praying this because this is my template of who Christ is for me. The template of worship, template of theology. And then carries on to, to unfold a little bit of who Jesus is and what, what does it mean for him and for this community of faith in Colossae. And then talks a little bit about the reason why he is in prison is not because he has done something wrong. The reason why he is in prison is because he's done something that is right. And that right thing is that he's being obedient to Christ. He's being obedient to that call that he has had on the road to Damascus. And that's why he's saying, my suffering is not because I've done something wrong. Actually, I could have been better off being a Pharisee. Pretty high up in all the ranks, I could have been ticking all the boxes. But that's not the gospel. And it's not that I'm better off now, but it's, he's writing from that place that actually suffering is part of the package of being a follower and a communicator of the good news of Jesus Christ. So picking up the cross daily and following Jesus is part of the package. And the question that I have got today, based on what we're going to read soon, is um, what impact, I told you earlier on that we're going to talk about mystery, what impact is the mystery having in your life? Now, this question is a bit ambiguous, and we'll develop it today. 
But we started the whole series with the, the, the story that Jesus told. And this was a story taken from the agricultural world. And Jesus wanted to communicate well with his people. Jesus told this story that you probably have heard it every time I've preached on Colossians, but it's a good reminder of this farmer who's being very generous. The, 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 the ground has been plowed, and this farmer has been generous with his seeds because it's sowing time with the hope that the seeds that he has planted are going to be fruitful. And Jesus tells a story that actually, yes, the, the, the idea of the sower is great because he's being generous, but we've got a problem, and the problem is the soil. Because this seed falls in four different kinds of soils. The, the issue is with the soil. So then we talked about the idea that actually Jesus is talking about that this, this news of the kingdom falls into good soil. But Jesus is totally aware that actually there is a lot of things that are going on that could hinder the seed to fall on good soil. There's things that probably come and nick this. There is clutter. So we started the, the, the series with this idea that actually with, with this in mind, we, we come to Paul's realization that actually you've got a community who have decided to follow Christ. And basically, they've got the seed of the gospel and they are precisely going through all these different things here. They're in the middle of a culture who's trying to steal the, the, the power of the gospel. They're, they're, meet, they're meeting amongst people who are kind of downgrading and downplaying Jesus. They're meeting people on the streets who are very high-flying religious people and then saying, actually, going the gospel way is really tough. The religious way with structures and routines and all these festivals and stuff, it is better. And then you've got the clutter of life. The clutter of the day-to-day engagements. The clutter of living in a first century Roman Empire. The clutter of living in a 21st century Bristolian setup. And Paul is writing all this because he totally is aware what is going on in Colossae. And as I said, it's a letter that has been written from that heart of a pastor saying, come on guys, the gospel is much bigger than what you've made it to be. It's much bigger than what you're told it is. Embrace it. So he's going to unfold it. That's why we've said, because we, the, one of the commentators used the, the analogy of Colossians being like a, a, a flower that is unfolding and the more time you spend with Colossians, the more clear it becomes who Christ is 
and what he can do for the church. So we've come to the end of chapter one, and this week we're doing something different, and I think in the coming weeks as well. Uh, We've asked some of our mission partners to do the reading for us. So today we're going to have uh, Mark and Julia Pratton. Mark is going to read it on the video in the beginning, and Julia is going to read a different version in the end, so we get a feel. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to all the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Amen. Amen. If I was to say to you, how would you describe mystery from the daily life? I've had a few comments already made. What is mystery for you? Ruth, do you want to start us off? Because you had a good one. The mystery of the sock and the washing machine relationship. Pardon? Yeah. It disappears, the mystery of disappearing um, pens. Okay. Any, any other mysteries from the daily life? <laughs> the mystery of disappearing snacks in the cupboards. Mm. Flowers opening, yeah. Okay. You can't make them open. I think the mystery of keeping the flowers alive for me. (laughs) Pardon? Falling in love. love. Yeah? Mystery? Yeah. Any any other things? Healings. Healings. Yeah? Any other things? Technology is a mystery. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) that's a good one my wife too (laughs) anybody else prayer is a mystery
so acquaintances that you, you don't know why, but in the end you re- yeah. So if, if I was to ask each and every one of us here, we will have a different version of what we mean by mystery. And yet we see that Paul is talking here twice on these verses about a mystery as well. And I think, and I think we, as people in the 21st century, we, we don't deal well with mystery because by default we want it to be revealed, to be uncovered, because we, we are the generation of instant information, aren't we? It's just uh, our mysteries are a Google click away, you know? If we wanted to know about something, they're just, we Google it. And, and, and we, we don't cope well with that idea of the, of the mysterious. But having read what we read here in Colossians, I think Paul is writing not specifically but something that is paradoxical or abstract. But Paul is writing about mystery that actually has been kept for many years and now it is revealed. And writing, writing to a group of people which is bang on in the middle of a lot of different ideologies and cultures and stuff that is going on. Of course, he, he's got the right to use this word, but he's not using the word mystery here in the context of something that is sec- secretive. It's something that is revealed. And this mystery is not an ideology or a philosophy. But for Paul, in these verses... This mystery is a person. Is a person. And he's going to talk about that because he knows very well from his own experience how he, he has arrived in this conclu- conclusion. He, he knows that he has been appointed, actually. The, the, the word that actually we see in verse 25 when it says, by the commission God gave me. That word commission is word economy. Oconomia in Greek. It's, it's, it's something that you actually, you don't own yourself. You've been entrusted with and you make good use of that. You administer, you steward, you, you take it on, and you, 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 you do a good job with that. So, he, so, so, so Paul here is writing to this group of believers, and he's saying that actually, I have become a servant. And there are two Greek words that normally are used in, in, when it comes to the word servant. There is the word slave, doulos, and there is the word diakonos which we use for deacons. And when you look at the Greek passage here, it's the word diakonos, which we take the word minister. So again, do you see the link that is got with the commission and the the economy, that that you become a minister, you become a servant. And Paul is saying that actually, God really commissioned me this, this good news, and now I have become a servant. 
I have become a servant and I'm going to do this ministry, this stewardship, this thing that God has given me, I'm going to give it my best shot. So, let's, let's think a little bit what Paul is trying to say here. He's saying, I've become a servant and part of my commission is to present to you the word of God in its fullness. To present to you the mystery that has been keep, kept hidden for ages. To affirm in you Christ, the hope of glory. And to continue to proclaim, to declare him, to publicly announce him. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all the wisdom. So that we may present everyone Perfect in Christ. Now, what, what a story of an apostle who's just got this vision from the resurrected Christ and he is wanting to say now, actually, I've, I've spoken my heart out to you. I've said what I'm grateful to God. I've said what I'm pr- praying for you. I've just declared now my theology of who Christ is. And if Christ is who I'm saying he is, that we see in the previous verses, this was a slide from two weeks ago. If Christ is the image of God, if Christ is the firstborn of a creation, if Christ is the creator of the universe, if he is the head of the church, if he is the firstborn from the dead, if he is the fullness of God, if he is the reconciler of all things, then this should make a difference in our individual lives and in our corporate lives. And for Paul, it has made that difference. He's saying, it has changed my life. You know, in other parts of the scripture, in the other letter, he writes, it says, it's no longer me who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And now he's imparting that and saying, actually, yes, it is Christ who lives in me, But the same Christ lives in you. He is the hope of glory. And again, if Christ is who we say he is, and if he is supreme, and if he is number one, then this should have implications in your life, in my life, in the life of the recipients who get this letter, and in the life of the 21st century church. So, when Paul talks about this God's economy, he is very clear in himself that actually it's, it's really bizarre because it's not the same as the ideologies of the Roman Empire. And again, I know he's not attacking Caesar here, but he's challenging the status quo. And God's economy is different than men's economy. We know that. So, so, so Paul is saying that this actually, it is presentable. What I mean by that is that actually this is God's way of dealing with people. But he has entrusted that to you and me. He has entrusted that to the community in Colossae to be what God has asked them to be. 
He's entrusted that to you and me today in 21st century in the bang on middle of Bristol to see and to, 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 to experience what God has asked us to be in order. So, so it's this amazing economy that we've got that is go- it's not ours, it's God's. But this is presentable. So is 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 present. So it's not obscure. It's not any more kept. It's not hidden. It's obvious. It's presentable. It's for us to make good use of. It's for us to 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 to, to endorse it. It's for us to impart it. And I think that's what Paul is trying to do here. And again, the what we see in verse twenty six is that. Perhaps it started with being kept. There was the idea that actually this good news of Christ was going to be kept. And then now it's revealed. It's all public. And when we talk about mysteries and stuff, we all came out with all different versions of it. And perhaps, you know, we don't know what the ongoing teaching was in those days there precisely. But maybe they were talking about this special kind of knowledge about this particular thing or a particular then and then unless you're part of the group whereas actually Paul is saying this is nothing hocus pocus about that it's revealed it's it's accessible it is accessible because again it's not a group of ideologies is a person and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, God's economy has, has revealed itself in the Lord Jesus. And that's why he has done what he has done with that high profile of who Christ is in the previous verses. And this Jesus... This person of Jesus is not a notorious, distant idea that you have to to come and approach. But this person of Jesus is personal. He is interested in you as in his personal relationship. Now, I need to be very careful here because sometimes we mix up personal and individual. And I think being part of an individual culture, we can easily move into that. No, no. What he's talking here is that Christ is in you. So he can be yours. Christ in you, actually, it could be translated also Christ amongst you. Which is the hope of glory or the hope for glory. So, so this Christ, this, 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 this idea of having this distance relationships with God now has come home to the Colossians saying that actually for, for, for Paul himself, this was personal experience. It could be personal for you. If you want to engage with God's economy, which is not like the economy of the Colossians, or if it's not like the economy of Bristol, God's economy is different. This Christ is personal. And actually, he wants 
to have this relationship with you. Ruth earlier on reminded us of the different passages. The woman at the well. Personal. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Personal. The rich young ruler. Personal. The man at the cross. One on his right and one on his left. Personal. Christ among you, the hope for glory. And why is Paul saying that? It's because what I've said from the beginning. Because what the Colossians are hearing is something that is is syncretism. Yes, you can have Jesus, but you can have Jesus plus something. It is okay to have Jesus plus an add-on. Just add some culture, add some spices to Jesus, and just make your own Jesus, and you'll be fine. Whereas Paul is saying, actually, Christ in you, Christ all-sufficient, He is, what I said earlier on, with the supremacy of Christ, He is enough. You don't need to go and look for something else. Christ in you is the only hope of glory. Hope for glory. And and yet, we're not making the most of that. Because I think to have Christ amongst us, Christ in us, is, is really uncomfortable. As I said last week, that Yes, we do hold Jesus that he was a great teacher. And he was, don't get me wrong. But being around Jesus sometimes was really uncomfortable. Because he would say things that were so true and God-given. That challenge the status quo. That challenge the, the normal, what are seen to be normal behaviors of culture and, and stuff. So having Jesus amongst you... Yes, he is loving. Yes, he is friendly. Yes, he is amazing. Yes, he is a healer. Yes, he is God on earth. But also, when he knows that you are not on good track with your relationship with God, he'll tell you. And I, I, and I think he still does, because that's why we've got scriptures, and that's why we've got the Holy Spirit. But he's, Paul now is saying, Christ is amongst you who are amongst the Colossians. Christ is amongst Cairns Road, who is amongst Westbury Park, Redland Green, Bishopston. It's very hard to trace where we are. We're in the, bang on in the middle of all these different um, neighborhoods. But Christ is amongst you. He's personal. And by him being personal, he can, mean, he can make a difference, which other ideologies cannot. He's personal and he's enough. At the same time, this mystery is no more a secret kept away. It's public. That's why, he, that's why he is in prison, because it's public, actually. That's why he's saying in verse 
28, saying here, we proclaim him. So the word here, proclaim, is when you, when you speak it out, we preach him. So what I'm doing at the moment, I'm preaching him. Uh, so, so I'm just stating, making a very strong statement of who Christ is. And the way that we do that is, is public. It's, it's, not, it's not secretive. It's public. And it's so public that we're not, Paul is saying here, that I'm not only telling you about the good lessons that we can learn from Jesus, but he's saying, I'm admonishing and also teaching. And I think the word admonish is what I meant earlier on when I said that actually when Jesus is amongst us, there's elements of our lives that need that admonishment. And I don't think we do well with the word admonish because it shows that there is something wrong, which is true. But we don't want to be told that there is something wrong with our lives. So, so this, this economy of God, this good news that is revealed in Jesus, is public. It's, it's public. It's, it's, again, goes back to that accessibility. But for Paul, he's got another element here that he wants to share. And for this, is going to outflow the rest of the letter. So he's talked about what he has experienced, but also he's saying that this is intentional. This is intentional. If this is not making a difference, then we must, well, we might as well pack up everything and go home. The, intention, the intentionality, the implications of this. The reason why I chose the word intentional there is because I didn't want for you to think, oh, Mark, he has gone now with um, all the P's for the, word, for the passage. Because I wanted to use purposeful, but then I thought, no, let's not go there. Intentional. Paul is not going to waste his time, actually. Verse 28 says, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone. And the intention that we're doing this is so we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Otherwise, what's the point? And for Paul... It's also laborious. He's not going to do a half job hoping that the gaps that he leaves in the middle, God's grace is going to do things with it. And it's not that God's grace does not do that, but he himself is going not to do a half job with it. It's laborious. He's saying he is suffering and, and, and the idea here is taken from sports that he is really putting it every effort in order to win. I mean, Andre would, would, would agree with me that he's putting every effort to win that match. 
And it's, it's, it's doing the uttermost. It's putting, and I think suffering does not, you know, I think, no, they've not used suffering. The, the NIV has used a different version here. Struggling. It's not as in struggling to, to really bearing that, but it's, it's struggling. Giving it all. It comes from, from, again, from the athletic world. Giving it all. He's not going to do half job. Why? Because he has seen that this economy of God has worked for him. And he wants to impart that. This mystery which is revealed in Christ and is not like the ongoing rate of the mystery that goes in the Roman world now is revealed in Jesus. And you embrace it. So, going back to the question that I had in the beginning. What impact is this mystery having in your life? If we say that actually this mystery that Paul is talking about, is presentable, is revealed, is personal, is public, is intentional to present us perfect in Christ, is laborious, then what is this doing to the 21st century church? I think it's part of growth. I think it's part of our maturing in Christ. And unless we've got this mystery coming to, to ruffle some feathers and to, to really challenge us, then we're not going to grow. And Paul's desire was for the Colossians to move on to the next step. As I said, who is the pastor in this world who doesn't desire that their church goes to the next level? And I want that. But I want that to be done in a way that is a God-given, rather that we have achieved it because we can do it. And by asking those questions, it's quite telling whether we're doing it in a God-given way or we're just checking. And I think these are, these are checking questions for me, they're for you, they're for us as a community of faith here. So let's not lose track of who God is and what he can do with a community of faith like ours. God is on the move here. I'm convinced of that. I see it. I see it in myself. I see it in conversations that I have with you. So it's, it's great. But God can do more than that. And we want for this mystery, this Christ Jesus, to have impact in our lives. I want it to have on mine. I want to have it in yours. So we're going to pick up Colossians again in September because I want the dust to settle a little bit. If you've got questions or if you've got anything that you want to talk about it, please do come and talk to me. I've not forgotten, we have got Julia to read the passage from the New Living Translation. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul's work for the church. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continues for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility 
of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Thanks for God's word. So Lord, thank you that Paul's desire was to present his followers perfect in Christ. That's my desire as a pastor of this church, Lord. I'm sure this is the desire of our elders and leaders and everybody who's involved in leading this church. Thank you for your economy, which sometimes, and most of the time, doesn't suit ours. And yet, the mystery is in Jesus. Help us, Lord, to know him more, to love him more, and to worship him. Thank you that Jesus is amongst us today. And he is at work. And we don't want to miss out. Help us this week, Lord, as we proclaim Christ with our lives, with our thoughts, with our deeds. And give us that boldness to speak of the hope that is in us. And to give every reason why we believe in such an amazing Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.